Hello, everybody. This is Rich Sports Talk broadcasting on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Spreaker, and available for iTunes and Apple Podcasts on all those apps and downloads. Thank you so much for joining us here today. And if you'd like to get in touch with the show, richsportstalk at gmail.com. And, of course, our Twitter handle at richsportstalk. We're going fourth and goal. I know it's the offseason, but you know what? We have so many great football storylines this week that I just had to get to them. Once again, I did a wrap-up of the AAF. If you want to get into my recap of week one, that's available for a listen as well. And if you want me to do a fourth and goal for the AAF, you know, if you're one of the emerging fans in this growing league, please let me know. It's something I'm really looking into, and if you want me to do it, I will do it. Please comment below. But let's get right into it. Fourth and goal, you guys, if you are new to the podcast, this is our new segment. Uh, Not new segment. We've been doing it for the entire season where every week I give my top four storylines in the NFL. But now with the season over, this is going to be a little bit more spaced out. It will probably be a little bit more once again to the free agency in the draft. But there are four big topics I want to get into this week that came up in the NFL. And you know what? I had to get to them. So we're doing a fourth and goal this week. We have a lot coming up on the program today, including Dak Prescott dinging Tom Brady and what this means for the Dallas Cowboys. We'll get into Antonio Brown trade talks. We'll get to the number one pick in question, but we start with the big news of the day, which is Joe Flacco has been traded to the Denver Broncos. Now I'm going to preface this by saying that these have been confirmed in multiple reports, but we don't know what is being traded for Joe Flacco because we won't know until the league opening day on March 13th. But that being said, let's look at the main aspect of the trade is that the Denver Broncos are going to get Joe Flacco. Now, for those of you who have listened to the show, you know that I'm higher on Joe Flacco than a lot of people. People say, oh, he's no good. He's an overrated quarterback. To me, Joe Flacco is the better version of Eli Manning with less weapons in Baltimore on the offense and a better arm down the field. Now, people are saying, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's not better than Eli Manning. Eli's got those two Super Bowl rings. That may be true, but when I look at it and I stack these two up together, you do know Joe Flacco has most, more postseason wins, right? You do know Joe Flacco has never, as a starting quarterback, been eliminated in the first round of the postseason. I think that's pretty darn good. Uh, also, he's 10-5 as a starter in the postseason. So... I look at Joe Flacco, and I, to me, he's a B-minus-B quarterback. I like a lot of the things he does, but I do think he is limited. Do I think he's one of the elite quarterbacks in this league? No, but can you win with him? Absolutely, and we've seen it in Baltimore. If you could have put a good defense, a good running game, he can work, and that's what they have in Denver. And Denver making this trade shows that, first of all, they feel that they made a mistake with Case Keenum. Now, they can't cut Case Keenum. I was looking at the cap figures earlier. I believe that they will save cap space, and they get a $10 million dead hit, but they save about 7 or $8 million, so he could be cut or traded. And this is what we've been talking about for a couple weeks, and I've been talking about on the podcast, was this was going to be a very interesting free agency, not only because of the big names, but because of the quarterbacks, because of what's going to happen with Nick Foles in Philly, Joe Flacco. There was a lot of moving pieces and this is the first domino to fall. I think it's a great fit for Flacco. I think it's a good fit for the Broncos. And it also tells me that John Elway, who's a very aggressive general manager, he's saying, look, I don't like any of the quarterbacks in this year's draft. Now, the Broncos would have to trade up to get a Dwayne Haskins or possibly Daniel Jones, but I just think it's telling you, look, 
I don't like the quarterbacks. I want a quarterback that can win now. And with Flacco, that great defense, they do have a great defense and good run game. I mean, they had a great draft last year. I mean, to me, the Broncos had one of the top drafts, and one of their best players was an undrafted player. They had an incredible draft last year. They have a great defense. And look, I, I think this team could be a wild card team, despite being in the division with the Chiefs and with the Chargers, who I think have two of the best rosters. But I'm looking at next season. They're going to have a first and second place schedule. The Broncos are going to have a third place schedule. I think that they can compete. They have a pass rush, a good defense, a good running game. I mean, the Broncos aren't a bad team. I mean, they're limited in quarterback. I think they get a slight upgrade in quarterback. And look, if they can get to the postseason, Flacco has proven he can play well in the postseason. So I do think it is a good move for the Broncos. I think it shows that they don't love the quarterbacks in this draft, but they do feel that they have a good guy with Flacco. Now, Flacco also, this also helps the Broncos too because reading the details of the contracts from what I've read is that the Ravens will have a cap hit because of the trade, but now all the guaranteed money is off of Flacco's contract. So really, if it really is a disaster if Flacco doesn't work out, the Broncos can cut him after next season, not have a cap hit, and more importantly, be going into the 2020 draft, which should have a lot of good young quarterback talent. So it's really a low-risk, high-reward kind of deal. And who knows? They could draft a quarterback next year, maybe even in this draft, and have Flacco mentor him. I know Flacco wouldn't like it with the Jackson situation. But look, Flacco isn't a bad quarterback. I mean, I think he gets a bad rap in this league. But especially in the postseason, he's been great. Um, I think that for me, he's a top 15 quarterback in this league I think now with some of the good young talent we've had in the last couple of years he's gone down the totem pole a little bit but I mean we're forgetting this guy he was a good quarterback and he's arguably the greatest quarterback in the history of the Ravens which I mean Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl I know isn't saying much but I mean he's a serviceable quarterback he's an upgrade for Denver uh, the Ravens have turned the page on on on, a, on their best franchise quarterback and hopefully they think they have the new one in Jackson but I think this is a good trade for the Broncos. I think that if, especially they don't give up too much. Um, I don't think they would have given up a first-round pick. They could have. But I'm interested to see what they gave up in return. But look, this team's got a good running game, good defense. They have some decent playmakers. I don't think they have the roster compared to the Chiefs and the Chargers. But I think they'll have a favorable schedule. Look, this team, they win nine games next year. They could be right in the wild-card pitcher in the AFC. So I think it's a good job by John Elway for both the short-term and long-term. And look, if it doesn't work out, they're not going to have any big cap penalties with Flacco's contract, and they can move on and get a quarterback in next year's 2020 draft. Going into second down now, and this has been the talk, and it's been basically the worst-kept secret in the NFL, but it's official with AB this week on Twitter posting a goodbye to Steeler Nation that he wants to be traded. I have noticed that Especially for wide receivers in the NFL, it's become more of the NBA. And what I mean by that is NFL receivers think that they can be like the NBA stars and move to get into better situations. I mean, we've seen Kevin Durante, we've seen LeBron James do it. But here's the thing. The NBA is beholden to stars. The NFL isn't. The NFL can cut stars, move on from pieces. And I just want people to know this. I mean, people say, well, ride receivers, you know, they're crucial. They are crucial in, to a team's success. And one stat that a lot of people were looking at were saying the six highest paid quarterbacks last season, well, they didn't make the postseason. Well, here's another interesting fact. The top seven of the ten 
top paid receivers per cap hit this year did not make the postseason. And also, if you look at the contracts, full contracts for wide receivers in the NFL, seven of those ten also did not make the postseason this year. So a receiver isn't everything. I always say you got to go with the quarterback, offensive line, pass rush. And the receivers, look, their value is going up with the rule changes in this league. But if you're a team interested in Antonio Brown, you have to ask yourself this question. Is number one, how much do we give up? But more importantly, is he a distraction or a disruption? Because teams can deal with distractions, but a disruptive player, they cannot. And Antonio Brown, wherever he goes, he's going to have to learn a new system and work with a new quarterback. He's worked with Big Ben his entire career. And though Big Ben has his flaws, Antonio Brown is comfortable. He works well. A lot of what makes Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster successful with Ben is that Ben can extend plays. Plays break down. And it's kind of like schoolyard football where you just get open. There's a lot of teams that they want precise, crisp routes. And I'm not saying Antonio Brown can't run those routes. But I think a great example would be a lesser example would be Chad Johnson when he went to the Patriots. I mean, Chad Johnson was a little bit more of that freestyle wide receiver in Cincinnati, but he goes to New England where everything is precise and precision. And he got buried in that offense because he couldn't get the timing in those routes down. So for teams looking to get Antonio Brown, who I still think is an incredible wide receiver and can help a team, you have to ask this. Can you deal with the distraction or is it a disruption? Because if he's going to disrupt your locker room, he's not worth it. And I love Antonio Brown. And I think a lot of the blame that's been put on Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown is unfair because it's trickled down from Big Ben. I mean, Big Ben, the Steelers organization, has protected him for years. And now the wide receiver and star running back, you know, when they act out a little bit, like the Steelers, like, they will go after them. They're saying, oh, that's not the Steelers way. And they're like, wait a minute. You're, you're, look at the way you're treating Big Ben, and you're not treating us the same way. And I get that he's a franchise quarterback, and I get that he's won two Super Bowls, but they see that. They understand, look, we're not being treated the way we want to be treated. And it's unfair that you protect Big Ben, but you don't protect us. So I'm looking at the situation in Pittsburgh, and I'm just saying to myself, look, I still think Antonio Brown's great. I do think this divorce is coming. I do think he's going to be on a new team. But you have to ask, is he worth the price, and is he worth if he's a disruptive player? And the reason I say disruptive is let's not forget. I mean, Le'Veon Bell held out this season. That hurt his team, and I get that. But Antonio Brown, in the middle of this season, in the last game, in the most important game of the year, doesn't show up and goes AWOL. I mean, Le'Veon Bell let the Steelers know, look, I'm not coming until you pay me. But Antonio Brown, no one could get in contact with him. And I understand he got in a fight with Big Ben. And a lot of the onus, if you listen to the players, was on Big Ben for that fight. But he didn't show up for work. He didn't show up to work on the most important game of the season. And if you're a team looking at him, you have to ask, look, if the going gets tough, will he quit on us? Because now you that's on his resume forever. He can't take that away. I mean, that's going to be in the back of the mind of every general manager that's considering Antonio Brown is, look, if we're a 6-10 team or we struggle or the quarterback doesn't give us the ball, is he going to quit on us? Because we still have to pay him this massive contract. So it will be interesting to see how this whole thing shakes up. It's official now that he wants to be traded. I do think he will be traded. It'll be interesting for what price. And I'm interested to see what team takes a shot on him. Now, 
I still think he's a great player, unbelievably talented. I do think that generally in the press he's been criticized a lot, but the one criticism I have of him is the not showing up for Week 17. That's my biggest criticism on him. Outside of that, I still think he's a great player. I think a lot of what has happened around him is a result of that culture that's been developed in the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room. But overall, I do think it will be interested to see what happens with Antonio Brown because the Steelers, they've been a great soap opera this entire offseason, and it just continues to be an incredible watch, and we will bring you all the latest what happens out of Pittsburgh. Third and goal now, we are, if you've been listening to the podcast, I have a new segment called Bold Strategy, and one of the Bold Strategy episodes I had was that with the first pick in the upcoming draft, the Arizona Cardinals would select a quarterback. Now, I'll give you the short uh, spark note version of this. Basically, I said that if Cliff Kingsbury likes a quarterback better than Josh Rosen in this draft, he should take him because he needs to have a quarterback that will work in his system. And people have been circling back to comments, especially now that Kyler Murray is officially declared for the draft, that Kingsbury said, oh, I would take him with the number one pick. And as fate would have it, Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals do have the number one pick. However, he's come out recently and said, no, Josh is my guy. Don't fully buy into that. He's got to say that because if he, I just want to throw this out there. If he had said, look, Josh isn't my guy, number one, that, he's dinging his own players that wouldn't sell in the locker room and the second thing is he's if he doesn't like Josh Rosen he still wants to trade him and get as much value back as he can I do think it will be interesting to see what the Cardinals do uh, because look for Kingsbury this was a hire that raised a lot of eyebrows in the NFL and a lot of people don't think it's going to work and if he doesn't feel his offense is going to work with Rosen it would be better with a Haskins or a Murray he should take them because you only there's only so many chances you have to get the number one pick, and you could still get a good haul for Josh Rosen. But just because he says that Josh is his guy, I mean, you have to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt because these general managers, especially with the draft, they don't want you to know what they're going to do, especially when they have the number one pick. If a team's desperate for Dwayne Haskins is considered trading up, you know, if it's – if it looks like Arizona might be willing to move off that number one pick, then maybe a team like the Giants or a quarterback need team will give them a bunch of draft picks, a couple of one picks, and they'll say, look, that's great. Or they'll basically just try to draft the driving price or the asking price. So I think you have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. But just because Cliff Kingsbury says, you know, Josh is my guy, don't fully believe it. I think what the big telltale sign is, if you see Cardinals, and I know that they'll try to be discreet about this, but if the Cardinals or anyone from that staff shows up at Kyler Murray's Pro Day or Dwayne Haskins' Pro Day or they have him in for a workout, it's tipping their hand a little bit. Then, hey, you know, maybe, you know, they're doing the vetting process, but they're also looking at it because I, I do like Josh Rosen, but the big knock I had on him was he got hurt in college got hurt again last season, and, you know, you saw a lot of pop moments from the rookies, from Jackson, from Darnold, from Mayfield, uh, from even Allen, but for Rosen, you didn't really see a lot of those pop moments, and I understand the team around him wasn't very good, 
But if you're Cliff Kingsbury and you feel, look, I can do a better job with Murray or Dwayne Haskins in my system than Josh Rosen, then you got, then they're going to probably draft the kid because they have to make this work. So I think just because he's saying, I don't want Josh Rosen, uh, don't fully buy on that because you never know what can happen. And we also have to remember this is a chess match. They could potentially be looking to sell that number one pick or Josh Rosen. So if they say anything negative about him, that could impact the trade value or make it look like, well, they're going to trade for a quarterback or they're going to draft a quarterback number one. And finally, on fourth and goal, I thought that this was very interesting with the USA Today this week, but I've been a big fan of Dak Prescott, not necessarily as a football player, but one thing I'd said is, look, he has handled Dallas fantastically. He's been level-headed. He hasn't said anything controversial. He hasn't really gone out of his way to put any comments out in the media that could be used against him until now. In a recent interview with the USA Today, uh, he dinged Tom Brady and his wife Giselle just a little bit by saying, nobody's wife makes as much money as his wife does either. When Tom Brady isn't the breadwinner in the home, then that's a great problem to have. So in that case, he can do that. He can do his contract however you want to do it. This has been a narrative that I'm just going to nip in the butt right now because I am tired of hearing this, uh, uh, the same old argument. Well, Brady can take a pay cut because, you know, he's got Giselle and Giselle makes more money than him. I'll grow up. Two things with the problems with that argument. Number one, he's been taking pay cuts before he met Giselle. And if the, and if that's not enough, we're, we're talking about the sport of football. I mean, this is considered a macho sport. Isn't it more impressive that Tom Brady is saying, yeah, my wife makes more than me and saying, you know what? I want to have the almost the same earning value of my wife. You know, I want to be the highest paid player in the league. Brady could easily be paid $35 million this year. He could be making $30 million, but he takes a cap. He restructures his deal so he can afford to get another slot receiver, another left tackle. He can The Patriots can afford to get another pass rusher. I mean, Brady, his goal is to win. He understands that he is, he wants to win more than these other quarterbacks do than want to get paid. And the excuse of, well, he can take less because of Giselle. Tom Brady's made over $100 million in his career. He's made endorsements off the field. At some point, it's about the legacy more than the money. And for him, it's been about the legacy for years. And he's been doing this restructuring since before he met Giselle. So I'm tired of everyone saying, well, you know, he can take less money because of Giselle. He, he's been doing it since before Giselle. That, that argument makes zero sense. I interpreted this as another thing, and this is not good news for the Dallas Cowboys, because I've said this on this podcast multiple times. If Dak was smart, he would say, look, Jerry, I want to get paid but pay me a little bit less so we can afford to keep this team together. But what this said to me was back up the brake trucks. I'm getting my money because Dak's contract is coming up and Dak. Now he's led the Cowboys to the postseason two of the last three years. And we've seen what happens. I said this earlier in the show, the top six paid quarterbacks did not make the postseason this year. Dallas has been great because they have a great defense. They have a great running game. 
and they've been able to afford all those pieces. But if Dak gets a max deal, Cowboys are in trouble. Because even though they draft incredibly well, they're going to have to lose some pieces to afford Dak. And Dak, let's be honest, is not a $30 million quarterback. But he's seen what Kirk Cousins got. He's looking and saying, Kirk Cousins? Who couldn't have any success in the NFC East, and I've wanted two of the last three years in the division with the Super Bowl champions from a year ago? He got paid? I've been making less than a million dollars per year? Even though he's getting those endorsement deals because he's a member of the Dallas Cowboys. I think, to me, the way I interpreted this comment was... You know, because people have been, I think, in the general me and the Dow saying, well, Dak should take a pay cut. Dak should take a pay cut. What's best for the team? And Dak's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Back up. I am not taking a pay cut. And I think he's just using this old Tom Brady narrative that isn't true saying, well, you know, I'm not going to take a pay cut like Brady because, you know, Brady can take a pay cut because of his wife. You know, I don't have that luxury, so I need to get fully paid. And it's hard because I do like Dak. I like his leadership. I like how he's good in the fourth quarter, how he's calm, how he's a good leader. But one of the things I liked is he didn't put out statements like this that could be used against him. And to me, it clearly shows he is not taking a pay cut. He wants to get $30 million a year because his, in his mind, he's saying, look, I'm the leader of the Dallas Cowboys. I've gotten this team to the playoffs two of the last three years. And I've been paid in nickels compared to these other quarterbacks. I want mine. Because we forget Kirk Cousins was franchise tag. He was one of the highest paid quarterbacks with the franchise tag for those years in Washington. He still was getting money. Dak hasn't gone to a franchise tag yet. He's still making under a million dollars a year. So he's basically saying, you know what, Jerry? He just said this to Cowboy Nation. This is not good for them. I'm going to get paid. I am not taking a pay cut. And I was saying, look, he should go to Jerry Jones and say, look, give me as many endorsements as you can so I can take a little bit of a pay cut, get paid $20, 22000000 million so it doesn't completely cripple the cap. But to me, with this statement, it tells me, Dak's like, nope, I'm not taking a pay cut. You are going to pay me. And to me, that's going to be over $30 million a year. He's saying, you are going to pay me because guess what? You don't have a better option. And the other thing, too, is I've been successful here. I rescued this franchise after Tony Romo got hurt. I've gone us to the postseason two of the last three years. Even though, to me, it's been the culmination of some of the parts, and it hasn't been Dak as the quarterback. Because, to me, if I don't think Dak not only – he's just an average quarterback. He's limited. If you were to look at the NFC quarterbacks – Carson Wentz, well, he's better. Never go to the NFC South. I think Cam, when he's on, is a better quarterback. Matt Ryan's better. Drew Brees is better. Uh, Jameis Winston, I think, has a little bit more talent, but he's all over the map, so I won't say that. Uh, if you look at the NFC West, Garoppolo's better. I, I believe Goff is better. Russell Wilson's definitely better. I mean, we don't know what uh, is going to happen with uh, – uh, I'm blanking on the name right now uh, – and the funny thing was, I just was talking about him, too. Uh, the, the young quarterback in Arizona. Then you have the NFC North. I don't think he's better than Aaron Rodgers, Stafford, or Kirk Cousins. I, I think he's closer to Cousins. But 
there's a lot of things I like what Dak does well, but he's limited at quarterback, and we've seen it. He couldn't move the football until they got him Amari Cooper. But here's the thing. If he takes that max deal, they're not going to be able to afford Amari Cooper. They're not going to be able to afford Zeke, that offensive line, and those great pass rushers. They're not going to be able to afford everyone because there's a salary cap. So when I read that comment the other day, that shot at Brady, first of all, that narrative is false. And the second thing was, to me, it was Dak saying in a backhanded way, guess what? I'm not taking a pay cut. I know Brady takes a pay cut, but guess what? He takes a pay cut because of his wife. That I am not taking a pay cut, which for the Dallas Cowboys and their fans, that's not necessarily a good thing. And that's going to do it for this episode of Fourth and Goal here on Rich Sports Talk. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure to like, subscribe, and comment on what you would like to listen to in the coming weeks. Uh, make sure to stay in contact with us, richsportstalk at gmail.com and richsportstalk on Twitter. But that's going to do it. I'm Nolan Rich. Thank you so much for joining us here on Rich Sports Talk.